The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. We did it, everybody. 31 shows in 31 days. Oh, man. And I know it's going to be 36 shows in 36 days by the end of this week, but whatever. It's the weekend ones. Those are the hard ones when I can just find this narrow window of time, a band of time when there are not children shrieking in the background. It's uh, it's a special thing. So thanks for coming along for the ride, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I know the first game has already begun here on Sunday. It's a midday affair in Dallas. And there wasn't a whole lot to pay attention to in that ballgame anyway, mostly just the health of Kristaps Porzingis. He was ruled out somewhat late. Uh, so presumably he's getting a little bit closer, but we don't know an exact timetable. And then it looks like very early in that ballgame, Maxi Kleba has been uh, listed questionable. He, too, has a sore back back strain of some kind. So all the big guys are going down to Dallas with back stuff. We'll pay attention to Dorian Finney-Smith. Maybe Dwight Powell now cars himself out a little spot here with every other center incapacitated, minus Boban. But uh, at least from a, a look-ahead standpoint, there wasn't a whole lot going on in that ball game. Today's podcast is going to be a quick one. This time, I mean it for real, for real. I know we got a big Saturday card to recap, but I'm exhausted 31 shows in 31 days can knock a man out. I would just say one thing. Look, we've we've come this far. We've done all these programs getting ready for opening night and then through the first two weeks of the season now, making sure that nothing is slipping by our radar. And the only thing I ask of you guys in return, please do drop a five-star review on the pod. I'm going to bug you about this intermittently throughout the year, but I'm bugging you about it a lot right now because I feel like I kind of... I don't want to say I earned it, because nothing I do is earning it, at least not until we all win at the end of the season. But I feel like I'm, I just wanted to pay it forward a little bit with all these extra shows, and uh, you guys can, can pay it right back with taking 90 seconds to open up the podcast app on your mobile device or in iTunes, search for Fantasy NBA Today, click on that show title, and drop a five-star review. I will be forever grateful. I want to just sort of plow straight into things today. I want to see if I can keep this pod in the 25-minute territory. It's a, it's a lofty goal for someone who talks as much as I do, as long-winded as I may get on this pod. But I think together we can do it, question mark? Drew Holiday is out for this evening. We got that news this morning. Cade Cunningham is out for... Uh, injury maintenance, whatever the hell they want to call it these days. And it sounds like Kevin Porter Jr. is in or expected to play. But in terms of real big injury news, not a lot. A lot of like, yeah, folks are somewhere in the vicinity of playing. Great. Cool. That's super useful. Because games are coming up so soon, I want to do the look ahead, actually, as the first thing on today's podcast. Then we can kind of peer back towards what happened on Saturday. We already talked Sacramento and Dallas. So we know what we're looking for in that ballgame. Utah and Milwaukee, not a whole lot of fantasy stuff going on there. The Bucks. it sounds like Drew Holiday is progressing. He's closer but still out. Brooke Lopez remains without a timetable. So that's one where it's just like, how do you feel in the morning, Brooke? And if the answer is bad, then they just keep him on the shelf. And one morning, I guess the hope is good, and then he comes back. 
I don't like the lack of timetable. It could end up being a really bad thing or it could end up being nothing at all because we've seen so many teams the last two years, really, where guys don't have a timetable and then magically they're just back. Two days later, they're just back. Toronto, it happens all the time. Remember two seasons back, all their guys were just out. They were like Norm Powell had like a broken knee. <laughs> Freddie Van Fleet had a messed up wrist. And then it was like, oh, by the way, they're playing night. What? So teams just do that now. I, and I'm certain they're just screwing with us. Fantasy community, media in general, I don't know. Probably all of us rolled together, but they are definitely messing with us because they just don't want to get bugged about it. And so they decided we're just not putting timetables on guys because we don't want to be held to it. It's annoying. I don't think they should allow that, but nobody seems to care right now other than us. Fantasy people, I mean, not us, this podcast. Uh, Portland is in Charlotte. Blazers playing a little bit better the last couple of ballgames. We'll see if Damian Lillard can keep it going. This should be a good ball game. Charlotte's kind of come back to earth a little, largely because of LaMelo Ball also kind of coming back to earth a little bit. And this was always the thing with LaMelo is that He's this unbelievable, ultra-exciting talent in every respect. But there are percentages issues. We didn't know if his field goal percent was going to trend up. We didn't know if his free throw percent was going to trend up. And if those don't, you basically have to go full Russell Westbrook to be an early round value. At the beginning of the year, first couple of all games, it looked like everything was going up. Now the field goal percent has tapered off pretty considerably. He still hasn't missed a free throw. I think he's 9 for 9 on the year so far, so we don't really know what's coming over there. Turnovers are not all that crazy, but he's only at 5 rebounds and 6 assists, which are good, but not uh, first round, even second round kind of stuff, unless the percentages come with it. So he's at 30 right now. He's actually ever so slightly behind Lonzo, oddly enough, although Lonzo 3.3 combined defensive stats. We know that also is coming back to earth here relatively soon. LaMelo, super fun. They kind of go as he goes, which is fair. Hornets have still been pretty good so far. I don't want to say that they've like taken their foot off the gas. They're still 4-2, and two, uh, but they've just been less overwhelming in the games where Ball isn't as uh, individually amazing. Sounds like Terry Rozier might get back for this ball game. The, the news we had from yesterday was that he was hoping to play on Sunday, so hopefully that'll be the case. And that, that's probably your thing to watch for in that game. Any sort of peel off from Miles Bridges is also something to track. And on the Portland side, Rob Covington looked better in their last one. Larry Nance continues to look good, but his minutes are not nearly high enough to be relevant. And then Norman Powell came back from his knee thing, played about half the ball game. Do his minutes trend up quickly here, second game back? Or are they going to ramp him up a little bit more slowly? All stuff to, to keep one watchful eye upon and on the charlotte side pj washington is generally your guy to watch do his minutes trend up uh this is a, a matchup with the portland team that's pretty big Yusuf nurkic big dude cody zeller pretty big if nance plays center he can play on the bigger side although i know he's not quite the offensive force so they could easily spread the floor there but good defensively what does charlotte do is it going to be Plumley? is it washington is it a split again pj has that versatile fantasy game, but he's going to need more than 22 minutes to get there. So we'll we'll keep an eye on that as well. Detroit without Cade goes back to being way less interesting. We saw how good they played yesterday with Cade in and Kelly Olynyk spreading the floor. That just opened everything up for the team. Jeremy Grant looked better with the floor, more open. 
And it's why you couldn't possibly have dropped Olenek after two or three bad ball games. This is just the, the, the weirdness of the beginning of the year, especially guys in new scenarios. They're in Brooklyn. That's favored by a truckload. Last two games on the card today are particularly ugly. Detroit is in Brooklyn without Cade Cunningham. Uh, we saw James Harden start to get back to the free throw line in his last ball game. He jumped from like top 60 to top uh, 30-something that last time out. Where the hell did he end up when all was said and done? James, where are you? James, I'm looking for you on the board. Where the heck did you go? Uh, 24. He ended up at 24 after all that? Jeez, that really was a jump. I guess other guys have, have played worse in the day and a half since then. Regardless, Harden is back into the second round, so that didn't take very long. Bye-bye, by low window. I don't know that there's a whole lot to watch on the Brooklyn side. Maybe Bruce Brown? Houston, they're annoying to watch, but you have to pay attention to what's going on out there. Uh, Lakers played better their last ball game. Is there? Did something start to click a little bit, or was it just luck? It's a little bit of both, I think, every time with this Lakers team. They're going to get a little better every 7 to 10 days. You guys know how we talk about them on this podcast. And then we sort of look back, and we're like, oh, okay, well, they went like 2-2 two and two for four games. And then the next four games, they went 2-2 two and two against tougher competition. And then they got an easier slate, and they went 3-1. and one. And that's just how it's going to go between now and Christmas when they'll probably start to look, I think, relatively good. The one thing the Lakers are doing that I don't fully understand is how much run they're giving to their traditional bigs. I know that Anthony Davis doesn't want to be the five the whole game. I get it. He doesn't want to bang like that. They want to keep him healthy. But DeAndre Jordan manning the middle is just a defensive nightmare for the Lakers. Anytime they play a team with an opposing big man that can step out a little bit, the whole thing just explodes. If you're going to be a lumbering ox big man, you have to be able to do other stuff. You have to be Rudy Gobert, where the only way an opposing big man can beat you is by taking you out to the perimeter. You go inside, Rudy will kill you. It's not that really. It's not really that way with DeAndre Jordan anymore. There's a lot of places where he's getting beat because he's old and big. Lakers rotations are a little bit wonky right now, and they don't have their guys back. It's kind of cool to see Carmelo Anthony as a fantasy value so far. I still can't fully believe that he's going to go like 50, 40, 90 here in his age 85 season or whatever the Melo's at. He is fun to watch in a Lakers jersey. There's just something that feels like it was always supposed to be that way. And maybe it's because he played New York for so long that like the spotlight does suit him weirdly well. But yeah, I mean, that's not I don't even think you could sell high. I feel like it'd be disingenuous as an analyst to say you could sell high a guy like Carmelo Anthony because nobody really wants him. Whatever you get out of him, you get out of him and then just sort of go with it. That's it. Pivoting back to Saturday, I know we're already at 11 minutes on this thing, so my goal of 25 is rapidly flying out the window. But Boston and Washington went to double overtime before the Wizards picked up another crazy early season win, the 5-1 and one Washington Wizards. That ain't going to last all year, but they're having fun. Bradley Beal took a ton of shots, but got himself to 36 points. He's now, uh, I wouldn't say where we need him to be on the board, but he's up to number 31 after hovering in the 70 to 80 range for a couple of ball games, and that's while shooting 36%, so almost nowhere to go still, but up for Beal. Montrez filling in admirably here for Daniel Gafford. Spencer Dinwiddie played a good ball game with his general inefficiencies. Those things will bite you, but luckily he's got enough usage that doesn't matter. 
And Kyle Kuzma, who also has his massive deficiencies, went for 17 and 17 with two blocks, so kind of covered up the other stuff. Boston side, no massive surprise. It's just a magical game from Al Horford, who's turning out to be one of our best calls here in the early going. Thank goodness for that. No Marcus Smart. He'll be back. That'll move uh, probably Dennis Schroeder back to the bench. And then Time Lord comes back, and that moves Grant Williams back to the bench as well. Orlando got the season debut of Chuma Okiki. He played 14 minutes and was, not surprisingly, rusty. And everybody's like, well, what do I do here? I, I honestly think you could probably just wait and see a little bit. Uh, you're going to have to be in a pretty damn competitive league to have Chuma come out for 14 minutes and do next to nothing and then get stashed in a bunch of spots. There's just, there isn't a ton of upside with him. The upside is probably top 100, really. And I think the reality of this is he's probably angling more towards a top 125 type of fantasy season. But again, you don't really know. But Cole Anthony is soaking up a lot of usage. Jalen Suggs is soaking up a lot of usage right now. Franz Wagner is the guy who's in Chuma Okiki's starting spot. So those may flip-flop over the next week or two. At which point, you know, Wagner's been pretty good so far. I I just, I don't know how he maintains his current fantasy value while coming off the bench behind Okiki. It just... You know, Wagner's number 91 right now in 32 minutes of ball game with 49% shooting. A lot of stuff there feels like it's going to taper out. That's my thought. You don't have to agree with it. Lotto Carter Jr. slowed down. Mobamba was decent, if unspectacular, in this loss at Detroit. We already talked about Detroit a little bit. Kelly Olinick was wonderful. Isaiah Stewart was fine, although Olinick sort of took his job a little bit there. I, I, at some point, I do think those guys are going to find the floor together, at least briefly. But Jeremy Grant is also playing a truckload of minutes at power forward, so that does limit the amount of opportunity for Olenek and Stewart to share the floor. No other particularly interesting things from that ballgame. Knicks beat New Orleans. Uh, Pels were without Brandon Ingram for this ballgame, which did open things up a little bit for a small forward Josh Hart experiment. Josh, 16-8. and eight two threes, two assists, good percentages. We don't know precisely how long Ingram is out. It didn't sound like it was going to be a particularly large deal, but I I think we should we should keep an eye on Josh Hart. I don't know that you need to pick him up after one decent ball game. It's possible that he gets scooped up in a bunch of spots because he played relatively well here in 30 minutes. And maybe there's a streamer with benefit type of thing going on. If he keeps that job, Ingram comes back, pushes Herb Jones to the bench, B.I. the starting power forward at that point. It's a possibility. But with Hart, it's always coming down to health. Dude never stays healthy for more than two or three weeks at a time. He plays almost too hard for a shooting guard, basically. Goes out there, rebounds like a crazy person, and then needs a week off. Like one week off every month because he just gets too beat up. He'll be helpful for them, though. He makes them better as an efficient rebounding guard. That's something that team desperately needs because right now they have a wildly inefficient guard in Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who's kind of trying to find himself a little bit, but and generally doing more good things than bad on the basketball court, but not a big-time helper for them. That's basically Jonas Valanciunas at this point. R.J. Barrett went nuts. Kemba Walker was really good again, and uh, Kemba just rocketing up the 
the rank board these days. He's now at number 45 in nine category leagues with an unseasonably high 1.7 steals per game. That'll probably come down. Making a ton of threes, really just kind of settling in now. So uh, good things, effectively good things. And for Mitchell Robinson, we just need him to block a damn shot. We don't expect that much more, but please block somebody. Atlanta, Philly, you can mostly throw this one out. This was a junk game by the middle of the third quarter. Tobias Harris has kind of been the only 76er to actually hit his marks so far this year. I'm not sure anybody on Atlanta has. Maybe John Collins? Just ugly all the way around. Trey Young wasn't very good in this one. DeAndre Hunter's been doing basically nothing with his time on the floor. We're seeing Bogdan Bogdanovich start to come around a little bit. John Collins has been okay. Clint Capella's been sub-okay. But they'll get it sorted out. There's just something sort of weird in the water with the Hawks to start the year. It's almost like they had a finals letdown, but they didn't make the finals. Toronto squeezed by Indiana. Barn burner of a game, 97-94. OG was fine. Freddie Van Vliet was fine. Scotty Barnes was quite good. Missed some free throws, but was otherwise quite good. Gary Trent Jr. uh, cooled off a little bit. The more important note from this ballgame, I think, is that Chris Boucher actually got a dozen first-half minutes. Kind of went away from him a little bit during the second half, but he's right on the borderline. And I know I keep saying it on this podcast. Oh, well, how do you part with a guy with that sort of upside? Everybody's like, well, I'm just not feeling it right now. I get it. I get it. And I feel like I need to preface the Boucher discussion each time with, there is a non-zero chance it just doesn't work out for him this year. But as long as he's getting 18 minutes now instead of five, Boucher in 18 minutes is kind of like the guys you pick up to stream. You know, the 26, 27-minute dudes who just don't do as much with their time on the floor. Boucher, often in 18 minutes, can kind of push fantasy value. He wasn't that bad in this game. He wasn't good by any stretch. But 8-6 and six with two threes and a block, 3 out of 9 shooting. If he makes one or even two more of those shots, we're actually talking about a pretty good ball game. You know, 13-6 and six with three threes and one block? Yeah, I mean, that's how close it was. A three ball goes in. So we are getting there very slowly, but we're inching there. Karis LeVert made his season debut for the Pacers, played 15 and a half minutes and looked good. That'll slowly work its way up to normal quantities, so get him fired up. TJ McConnell, 34 minutes, 6.7 assists. He was better in the second half of this ballgame, and I'm hoping that that's kind of the little fire he needed because he just hasn't had his motor so far this year and if you need not that you need an explanation for it necessarily but the steals that's the only thing you really need to look at with him he has only five steals in seven games so far this year his minutes from last season are only down by about 40 seconds Admittedly, some of that is because he played more in the last two ball games, but he was up around 23, 24 even before that. And that was with Malcolm Brogdon playing an unsustainable 39 minutes per ball game. You had to know that's coming down four or five minutes, or Brogdon's going to spend the whole year on the shelf. Where did those minutes go? Probably McConnell. So I do think he ends up pushing into this 25, 26 minute range pretty much uh, permanently. And then once everything else settles, you're fine. 
know, last year he was a top 75 per game guy with nine points, six and a half assists, four rebounds, and two steals a game. He's not going to blow the roof off the building with his scoring, but his shooting's down 10%. He hasn't made a single free throw so far this year. Rebounding down one, which I don't know, maybe that's maybe last year was too high. I don't, hard to say, but assists are down one and a half because guys aren't making shots anywhere in the NBA right now. And the more important thing is that his steals are down from two to 0.7. There's a mean reversion coming in that particular category because anytime TJ McConnell's played even remotely close to starters minutes, he's been in that 1.7 or higher steals range. So he's down like seven steals from what he would normally be at this point. And if you factor that in, then he's not that far off of last year. Everybody calm down. Spurs beat the Bucks behind DeJounte Murray. Keldon Johnson was better. And that was kind of it. Derek White was all right. Missed some free throws. Weird. Very weird. That happened to Chris Paul later on the card as well. Thad Young, 16 really good minutes. I cannot for the life of me believe that he's going to get more than 16, 17 minutes a game. But if he does... Bucks are in finals hangover mode. Kind of knew this was coming. It just took him a few games for the adrenaline to wear off. Middleton's been fine. Giannis has been fine. Nobody's been that fantastic. Giannis at number 22. Free throw shooting back down to 70%, by the way, on Anadokounmpo after everybody tried to sell me a bill of goods that he had figured it out. Where the hell's Middleton at? I've completely lost track of where Chris Middleton is this year. 58? Yeah, I mean, he's shooting 43% also. It's just a weird start to the year. I think you can continue to stream Grayson Allen. Connaughton's been uh, close to streamable. And with no Drew Holiday, we're actually seeing George Hill now kind of getting into the streamable mix. Might even be the most interesting of them because of his efficiency, steals, blocks, assists kind of thing. I'm not saying you have to, though. Chicago, kudos to the Bulls, man. They figured this out way faster than I thought they would. This was I thought this was a team to fade the first four or five weeks of the season, but a win over Utah is a really big deal. Bulls should be proud. They bounced back from the Knicks' loss. They're just defending really well. Some of that's Alex Caruso. A lot of it is DeMar DeRozan. He's been an unbelievable leader in his limited time. And then Lonzo Ball coming in is a, is a good fit also. We always thought Lonzo was going to be a really good fit. I think we thought DeMar would eventually be a good fit, but that it would take some time, and it's just, it's not at all. The guy who's wearing it right now is Vooch, but mostly it's that his shot isn't going in. So they'll be all right. The one thing to note, certainly, is that with Caruso, his steal rate was never going to stay as high, high as it was. Even though he's a very good defender, you just, you're not going to get, you know, three, whatever it is, steals per ball game. So he was always overvalued, especially when Patrick Williams went down. He'll play, Caruso's going to play, but he's not going to be blowing the, the fantasy roof off the way we saw for a couple of ballgames there. Miami's looking pretty good these days. No Bam Adebayo for this ballgame. That was really surprising. Dude plays through everything, so they must have felt like they had this game pretty well in hand to hold him out. But frankly, I'd rather he not play, not use up a games cap, and then just come back in the next one. This allowed Kyle Lowry to wake up a little bit. Easily Kyle's best game of the year so far. It's possible that that holds. Like, there may have been a purpose here. Hold Bam out, let Lowry get going, then bring them all back together again. Most important thing, 
they'll be fine. All these guys will be fine. Lowry is probably a buy low, although it makes it tougher after finally having his first good ball game. And then Jimmy Butler is number three in nine cat league so far. Three. Man, that dude is good. Tyler Hero's been good. Good again. Of course, again, it helps everybody when Bam's out because that's a lot of extra usage going around. Hero's usage has been among the highest on the team. I'm not sure that actually can hang in for the whole season. So my take is, you know, Tyler's number 63 right now while on this crazy, hot, high-volume bender he's been on. If you can get anyone around him that you know has better staying power, like a Gordon Hayward is 65 uh, Miles Turner is 72. You're not going to get Brandon Ingram, but he's at 66. Halliburton at 56. People might not realize that there's that weird gap there because Harrow's been scoring so much, but go go take aim at somebody maybe a couple slots in front who isn't scoring as much, and uh, there you go. Here's the weird stat of the day. Not has anything to do with this. Back actually about the Sixers. Batiste Thibault is number 60 in 9-cat because he's averaging 3.8 combined defensive stats a ball game. That's how easy it is to do it with defense. DeAnthony Melton, big one again, 23 and 5 with four defensive stats and four three-pointers, but unfortunately, JJJ is all out of sorts. But don't worry guys, he played 24 minutes in this one. The Heat just beating people up. He'll be fine. They just gave him a massive extension. He's going to play. There really isn't anybody that's coming for his minutes, and it was a blowout. The weird thing about this game was that they let Ja play 33 minutes. It was almost like they needed him to get to some facsimile of his daily stats when everybody should have been sitting with 24 minutes or less. It's mostly start the starters in Memphis, although as I mentioned during my What to Watch For on Twitter yesterday, Steven Adams is the guy that's trending down in that group. There's more Xavier Tillman minutes at center. There's going to be some JJJ center minutes. Uh, Killian Tilly played some blowout center minutes. Santi Aldama, I think, got some power forward minutes in there. So there's some other options, although I wouldn't expect those guys to do much. You're more worried about Tillman and JJJ, because if Adams isn't getting near 30 minutes a ball game, it's probably not going to happen for him. Warriors blew out the Thunder. Draymond Green, you wipe out that awful free throw shooting game. Everything looks much better for him. He's number 122 while shooting 37% from downtown. We played this game yesterday before Draymond had another good ball game, but we can play it again now. If you get rid of his free throw stroke, which I can basically promise will level off to a career mark by the end of the season, Dre's been number 36 to this point without his weird free throw stuff. So that's, by all accounts, just on its way to being a nice, easy winner, and all you got to do is wait. Andrew Wiggins doesn't quite look himself so far. I, I, I do think that there's some lingering injury stuff. We already talked about that. I mean, the, the Warriors have told us that he's not where he needs to be. And he's still kind of hanging around near the, the just inside the top 100. So there's a little bit of upside built in there. Problem is that they need him to get healthy before, or we do, or whoever's got him in fantasy, before Clay Thompson comes back or Wiggins kind of loses that runway. I've seen a lot of should I drop Jordan Poole stuff on Twitter, but I think on this podcast we've been pretty consistently saying he's a fringe guy. There was never a ton of upside there. His his value is 
heavily tied up in scoring. And uh, when Draymond's doing some of that, and Steph is going to do a lot of that, and I know Damian Lee sat this ball game out, but Wiggins is going to do some of that. And then this was a blowout on top of everything else. Poole actually played the highest minutes on the Warriors in this game. So I still like him, but his game just isn't that fantasy-friendly when there are other dudes ahead of him in the ball-handling pecking order, and that's always going to be the case. Thunder were terrible, which I think we'll probably say that again on this pod this year. Bright spots? None? None? I was in hard dodge Shea mode this year, and I anybody that asked me, I told them, I'm not into it. He was getting drafted near 30 after sitting near 50 last year in a big usage role, and there's the shutdown risk. I just, it never made any sense to me. He's 96 right now. Josh Giddy's 107. The fact that those guys are that close is a little bit silly. Shea will end up ahead of him, but the Thunder are just bad. And they're easy to guard because no one can shoot. They can't shoot. Denver beat Minnesota. Another low-scoring game. There's a lot of hand-checking going on. I've watched all the videos that everybody's posting on Twitter. There's a lot of hand-checking going on. Uh, Aaron Gordon had four defensive stats, but I don't think that you can really permanently buy into that. Eventually, the true Aaron Gordon always comes out. Like, the guy that shoots four for four at the free throw line is not the one that lasts the whole season he's shooting 55 percent from the field so far this year that we know is not going to hold and if that goes away then he's not even close to fantasy value uh monte morris was pretty good in this one will barton got a game-saving block but of course the story has to be michael porter jr who simply cannot make a bucket right now He grabbed 12 rebounds, had three assists, had a steal, so he tried to get himself involved a little bit. But damn, the other stuff is bad right now. 33% on 13 shots a ball game. The number is fine. The rebounds, the assists, the steals, all of that stuff is where it needs to be. He just, right now, he's shooting like two-thirds of what he shot last year. A little bit less than that, actually. You know, he shot 54%. I didn't think that was going to hold year over year. But this is so easy to handicap, though. He's at 11 points while shooting this horribly from the field. If you basically assume and just add on like another third to everything that he's doing, 11 becomes 16.5 or 17. 1.73 pointers becomes 2.5. And then he's pretty close to where you want him to be. Maybe a little bit more scoring than that. I don't know about 54% again, but... 50-plus? Could we get to the free throw line and make 80% of those? He's just a wreck right now. But damn if it's not one of the easiest buy-low wrecks I've ever given in my life because dude is not going to shoot 33% this year. The night is always darkest before the dawn, and maybe that one was the game for Michael Porter Jr. because 21% is pretty, pretty bad. But they defended well, and that was enough. Because Anthony Edwards couldn't shoot, Cat couldn't shoot, D'Lo never could shoot. Malik Beasley was, like, bordering on shooting. And uh, Nas Reed was the bright spot for Minnesota, but they'll be fine. Just throw that one out. Patrick Beverly looks really good in his limited role. Unfortunately, there's not enough minutes for him right now. 
And then Cleveland on the back-to-back after losing to the Lakers uh, flew into Phoenix. That's a tough one, flying east. Um, and the Suns took care of business, beat them 101-92. Couldn't quite put the Cavs away, but it really wasn't a particularly good ball game. Kevin Love double-doubled in 19 minutes. He's very much a streamer center type. All he's really doing is helping ruin Jared Allen bit by bit. But this is basically just kind of a bad game for the Cavaliers. Markinen was okay, and the fact that anybody slipped through from the main group was a good sign because the starters didn't even really play starters minutes. You could see that they were just like, we're pooped. Let's just wear it. Scheduled loss. Chris Paul missed four free throws. That was super weird. He was on his way to a giant ball game before that happened. Oh, well. Booker was good. Uh, Aiton hurt his quad or leg contusion, I think was the final ruling on that, uh, on his way to a really big ball game. It actually ended up pretty good anyway. And then Mikkel Bridges is your slow starter on the Suns. He's number 90 right now in nine category leagues, mostly because uh, he hasn't been able to get his steals and blocks where he needs them to be. But overall, he's not been that bad. Just things need to settle. The beginning of the season is weird. And that's it. I don't want to do anything extra today. This is your 31st show in the month of October. I'm gassed. We'll start a brand new week of Fantasy NBA today, tomorrow. Please do follow me on Twitter, at Dan Vesperus. I know I've said it before. I'll say it again. We're doing a needlessly large amount of things on social media this year, and I'm trying to respond to 100% of requests. I probably won't, but damn it, I'm going to try. We've also got our tweet storms out on Twitter. If you guys like those, please, uh, honestly, whatever you can do to help me spread the word, that's the goal for this 2021-2022 season. This is all about doing everything I can for you guys, uh, and all I ask in return again is kind of helping spread the word. So have a lovely rest of your Sunday. Happy Halloween. Eat that candy. Back at it tomorrow with a... uh, Our last unusual Monday before next Monday, November the 8th, we will start our first, I love it, you guys know I love it, reverse chronological lightning round. That'll be Monday shows from that until the end of the regular season. I am Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. October, put a bow on it, ladies and germs. November, we'll talk to you when that month begins. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.